Welcome and thank you for joining us at Christian International Ministries. Our vision is to help you hear God's voice to change your world. For more information about this and other resources, please visit www.christianinternational.com. Well, hallelujah! I'm on. Amen. God bless you. Well, exciting to be alive and God in this day and hour. Amen. Remember I told you last week that God said as the building is being changed and transitioned, we're going to be going through the same change and transition. And whether you notice it or not, you're being changed. How many noticed the overhang out there, all the the different colors? How many noticed even the metal was different colors? I remember, how many remember the, what the three colors were on around the band? Three of you. Okay. <laughs> how many know it's got a new color all around? How many know there's no carpet on the floor? <laughs> you noticed that after standing an hour, didn't you? I got a ring up here if you can kind of adjust it maybe some. And um, so I want to encourage you to really know that you're being transformed. Now, every week you'll notice a difference. Um, hopefully by next week we might even have flooring on. We might, uh, you know, a few more things done. We got the stuff for the gymnasium. We'll be having flooring on that. And um, by, I think, mid, I think probably the 1st of August, you could have most everything done except the carpets coming in, what, two weeks after that? And we'll pretty soon, by September, you won't even remember what the old was like. We're going from glory to glory, but right now we're stuck between the glories. <laughs> How many ever felt that way? You're stuck between the glories. You're going from glory to glory, but you're in that in-between stage of where you feel like you're in limbo. <laughs> Amen. But God has a purpose for everything, and things are changing. I want you to be praying for me next week. A Friday, I leave for Las Vegas. They called me and desperately needed me to come. Uh, they're having a citywide meeting. Our minister still echoing. Does it just echo that way now? I guess with no carpet and what, maybe something else is on up here. Okay. And um, they're gathering together. All the churches in the city are coming together. Even the mayor and the police, and they are believing for a, a unity. And they wanted someone to come that had the anointing to bring them together and anoint them. So. I'll be leaving Friday morning uh, and be there for Saturday. They expect several thousand. They're bringing, believing for the kingdom to come, the will be done, and transformation in Las Vegas. How many believe that? Like Hallelujah. And um, I, I committed myself to it and everything. Then Tom and Jane reminded me, pastors, that, you know, that's when the revival was. I said, forgot about that. But they need me real bad there. <laughs> And, in fact, they had another brother they wanted to come, but then found out a couple of things about him, and they canceled him and asked me to please come. All right. But um, I want to share with you some of this morning. I'm, you know, I have preached thousands of messages, but when you do something new, you have to do something new. Amen? And so I put together a whole different message for this morning for us. I want to talk about knowing and fulfilling your calling. How many know everybody's called to be saints? How many saints we have here? Just a couple about your waiting in the Catholic Church, waiting to die and getting the stained glass window to be a saint. But you're a saint if you've been washed in the blood, sanctified by the Spirit of God. Amen? And, um, and, and there's nothing more important for you to hear when you stand before Jesus than the words, well done, good, and faithful servant. How many want to hear those words? You don't want to hear the words, you didn't use what I gave you, you didn't do what I told you. Take that lazy, worthless, unprofitable servant, cast him in an outer darkness. How many do not want to hear that? So we need to use what God has given us and do what God has told us. And um, I I was talking to a Baptist one day about that, and I said, that was a born-again, spirit-filled Christian he was talking to, and I don't know where that's the bottom rung of heaven or the top rung of hell, but I, don't want, I do not want to find out by experience. How many do not want to find out by experience what that means? <laughs> so 
we do a lot of teaching on the activating the gifts. That's where we got the thought, use them or lose them. And God took from the one that wouldn't use what he did have and gave it to the one that now had ten. How many know God gives to those who use what he gives them? And if you don't use it, God will deal with you and deal with you and take it from you if you don't. I used to tell the people when we had our first started having our prophetic seminars and we have people in for training, and I'd use that scripture, Matthew 25, verse uh, there, and from about 15 to 30, where the five, two, and one talented um, servants that the master gave them and said, now multiply and occupy till I come. And um, when God said, take from him that wouldn't use what he had, I said, let's make a deal. We're going to teach and train you for the next three days, but if when, when you get through activating your gifts, if you're going to go home and not use them, let's make a deal. Your gifts stay with me and my staff. Amen? How many would make a deal with me? If you're not going to use what you get, what you got, I get it. All right. How many know the Bible says use it? How many is trying your best to do everything God told you? Use what you have. Amen? I want to just lay a foundation here for us a little bit and go into this. This is a good rock and roll. Amen. <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, open your Bibles wherever the Lord directs. <laughs> now, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I want to start off. I will open up and read one scripture. I'll quote the rest of them to you. 1 Corinthians 12. And we're going to take time to get it done. How many has got more time than you got money? We just took the offering. You should have more time than money right now. <laughs> All right. Chapter 12. Paul uses the illustration of us being the body of Christ. There's about five scriptures says we are the body of Christ. The church is the body of Christ. And so in, in chapter 12, verse 12, he says, after he's talked about the nine gifts of the Spirit in the ministry, verse 12, for as, for as the body is one, and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is the body of Christ. We're one. Christ is one. For by one spirit, we've all been baptized into one body, whether we're Jews or Greeks, all were made to drink into the one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. Then it talks about all the different members, and God honors the hidden members and all that. Then it concludes with chapter, uh, verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. Every one of us, everyone around the world, everyone throughout the world, uh, all one billion Christians, every born-again Christian is a member of the living corporate body of Christ. And there's no such thing as a member of your body that doesn't have a function. That's the reason we're continually trying to give you an unction to function. Amen. Because you have to, Paul told Timothy, stir it up. Now, we're, we're, several things the Bible calls us, saints, children of God, sons of God, the church, citizens of heaven, brothers and sisters. But we won't talk today about the members of the body of Christ. Now, it's very important that you understand beyond the evangelical viewpoint that God just saves people to get them out, keep them from out of hell. God, thank God that's in the deal. But God's motivation for saving people is not primarily to save you from hell. Second Corinthians 5.19 says, God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. Himself. Not, doesn't say he came into the world to save sinners from hell. There is eternal hell. There is eternal heaven. And thank God we've been saved from hell and are going to heaven. How many plan on going to heaven? How many plan on going to hell? Just make no plans. You end up there. All right. <laughs> you got to make plans to accept Jesus as your personal Savior and get born again. Now, <clears throat> but he saved us for a purpose. Unto him for his purpose. Amen. And then Ephesians 5.30 makes a very revolutionary, mysterious statement. He says, Ephesians 5.30, we are members of Christ's body, of his flesh, and of his bones. 
How is that? How can we be members of his flesh and bone body? 1 Corinthians 6, 17, 20 says, We're joined, He that's joined to the Lord is one spirit. Then he says on down there in verse 16, 18, 19, 20, says, You're bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your spirit and in your body, which are God's. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and that, say, that body's not yours anymore. Come on, tell your neighbor, that body's not yours anymore. It belongs to God. God bought you body, soul, and spirit. I said, God bought you body, soul, and spirit. He didn't just save your spirit. He didn't just buy your, redeem your spirit and buy your spirit back. He bought all of you. It all belongs to him. That's the reason it's important what you do with your body. Some people, there was a doctrine came out in the latter rain movement, and I remember when they started teaching, uh, it was something that came up way back in the other century before, but it revived and said, God's only interested in your spirit, and uh, he lives in your spirit, and he doesn't, the flesh is just going back to dust, and it doesn't make any difference what you do in the flesh, commit adultery, smoke, drink, do anything you want to with the flesh, but just don't sin with your spirit. You can't... <laughs> The only way you could do that, commit adultery, you can't do that without sinning with your spirit, soul, and flesh. The only way that could not be is if a girl was raped. She had nothing to do with it. I mean, she was resisting and all the time. But your body, soul, and spirit, and God wants the whole being. Now, then he takes our bodies and makes it a member of his body. Now, Jesus was the body of God. How many know the Bible says, for, in Colossians 2, 9, in the Living Bible says, in God, in, in the body of Jesus, lives all that God is. Yes. And the King James says the full, that God was manifest in the body of Jesus. And the fullness of the Godhead dwelt bodily in Jesus. So Jesus is, was the body of God. But you and I are the body of Christ. Yes, yes, yes. Are you with me? We're the body of Christ. Now, when I wrote the Eternal Church, I had to deal with a doctrine that had been floating around for a few years that one person started teaching in the early 50s that since we are the body of Christ and that Christ is in us, then they started interpreting that the second coming was the revealing of him. And it said that all that we'll ever see of Jesus is what we see in one another. Because if we're the body of Jesus, he doesn't have a body anymore. He's spirit. They got mythical, mystical, and and stupid, and uh, and so I had to expl- I had to write uh, about four or five pages in the Eternal Church book the fact that the Bible never says we're the body of Jesus. The Bible never says Jesus in you. Jesus is the name given to the human body of God. Angel Gabriel came to Mary and said, "You shall call that body that's going to be born of your out of you." You shall call his name what? Jesus. Jesus is the personal, physical body name of God or Jesus Christ. Jesus is the body of God. He was manifest in the flesh. He is the son of God, but he is the body of God. Now, Jesus is never say Jesus in you, Christ in you. Christ means the anointing, the presence, the power, the appointment. Jesus is the Christ. Now, come on. It's also Christ means Messiah, the anointed one, the appointed one. And, and the several scriptures say that they tried to prove that Jesus is the Christ. How many of those Apostle Paul spent most of his time proving to the Jews that he was the promised Messiah? He was the Christ. He was the anointed one, the appointed, which means the appointed one, the empowered one, the designated one. Now, so we are members of the body of Christ. And then if you, as you read down through there, it says they vary. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. Come on. Mouth can't say to the backbone, I don't need you. And they're, they're variable. Now, God speaks about variety. How many think God does variety? Just think, nobody in all the world is just like you. Somebody say, thank God. <laughs> I mean, when you were born, God made a brand new mold. And when you were born, he threw it away and said, never again. <laughs> You're one of a kind. 
Out of the 7 billion people on planet Earth, you have a fingerprint different than anybody else's. Can you just look at your finger if you can see your... Mine are worn down. I can't see them. <laughs> but, but if you can see your fingerprint, can you imagine trying to make 7 billion difference in that arrangement? I don't know how God set it in the DNA of the human race or whether an angel has to figure that out. But every child that's born has got a brand new fingerprint. Amen. A new voice uh, uh, impression. Uh, you know, you're, you're just different. And uh, every member has a function. I said every member has function. But no member is a law unto itself or a member unto itself. Thank, you know, eyeballs are important, but thank God there's not eyeballs running around by themselves out here just trying to see everything. Mouths are important, but thank God a mouth is out here just talking by itself. You know, you've got to give variety. But all the members have the same 11, I believe it's chemical elements made up, all have the same blood flowing to them. And I was talking to one of our board of governors that's a medical doctor, and she went and took some study and is now doing some stem uh, cell research. They can now uh, take your fat and take those stem cells and put it, uh, like she had, she had that disease would ate all, half of her leg away, and she has just been open there and, and muscle hadn't grown back. And you're taking that stem cells and it grows muscle. Whatever you put it on, it grows that. And they use your fat to do it. Boy, I could get healed all over. I tell you. <laughs> I got enough to just make a new Bill Hammond almost. How many's got a little bit to spare? Okay. They don't have to use the way they used to do it anymore. And um, so, but we're members one of another. Now, this, the, each member is made to contribute to the whole. Now get this, I'm, I'm, I'm heading somewhere. My eye has to be a faithful eye, my mouth, the mouth, my heart, lungs, kidneys, you know, everything has to be faithful, fulfill its ministry, but it's not an end in itself. Are you with me? It is designed for the success of the whole. Now, I believe the body of Christ is real. It's not just figurative. I believe there's a certain amount of cells. I don't know how many million billions you need. But I, one, one scripture says in Revelations 6 there that he's, has, he's waiting for until he gets the number of saints he needs. And there's a certain amount of members God needs for his body to function throughout the endless ages of eternity. You're not going to heaven for eternal vacation. Now some of you look very sad. It's amazing how many people look forward to go to heaven to be good for nothing. Float around this and hallelujah, you know. Sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that million mile long table, eat, eat, eat to become a big blob, float off in space. You know what I mean? Just walk around with a halo on their head. You're going to be real people in a real world doing real things forevermore. Amen. Heaven is not a mythical, mystical place. It's government. The earth is just a shadow of what's over there. It's the real thing. We're the shadow. Are you hearing me? Just like the law and the commandments and, and the tabernacle, those are all shadow of things to come, of the real thing. Christ is the real thing. Heaven's the real thing. Amen? Now, so we, we, we all have a purpose. For instance, I'm a prophet. Have been for 60 years. And my main purpose being a prophet is not just fulfill my prophet ministry, though I've got to be faithful to do what God calls me as a member to do. But my purpose is to raise up a company of prophets. The company of prophets is to begin to prepare, make ready a people and prepare the way for God's purposes in coming. And we, we, we equip the church, and the church has a purpose of bringing the kingdom and bringing transformation in the world. And then we've got to transform the world for Jesus to come back and set up new earth. And Peter says, we look for new earth wherein only righteousness dwells. So everything is to be something part of something bigger. That's the reason you don't just try to live for God all by yourself at home in your own house. You need to come to church and be a part of a bigger thing. This church is part of a network of 4,000 churches around the world that I'm bishop over. You know, And then this network is related to hundreds of other networks and, the, and, and denominations and people. And a whole church comes together to fulfill God's purpose. 
God didn't raise up the church just to save us to go to heaven to be holy moly rollies. He raises us up to be co-laborers and joint heirs with him. When God created the human race, he had a purpose for creating it. He didn't. Now, how many's read my book on who am I, why am I here? Bless all four of you. All right. But in the eight reasons are for creating the human race, we bring out God, you know, created the human race. But most people, when I taught Bible college, I had an application. I had all the students fill out the first year. And I have about 50 questions I had. One of them was, why did God create man? And whether they'd been to Bible college before, older or younger, 98% all had the same answer for one or two things. Either they'd say God created man for fellowship or God created man to worship him. And that's number seven and eight in my eight reasons. And that is important. But if you have man was created for worship God, we've got to figure out what our worship does for God that the angels, cherubim, and seraphim didn't do. Amen. And if we say it's fellowship, then we've got to figure out what does our fellowship do for God that the angels, cherubim, and seraphim didn't do. So many people figured God was a big old lonely God sitting up there all by himself and wanted somebody to have fellowship with the created man. He had trillions of angels before. Come on. Well, you figure up Revelation 11 there, you multiply that, must have been 150 trillion angels. Lucifer took 50 trillion, but we still got 100 trillion for us. Come on. That makes about 250 for every person sitting here. I think, and one angel killed 185,000 of the enemy. I think you're in good shape. Amen. And how many believe God is your father? And you're in the mess you're in. But anyhow, God is our father. Hallelujah. And we're children. And now, not only is God our father, but we, we are the body of Christ. This is, this is spiritually literal. Sound like a paradox, but it's, it's real. I said, it's real. You are a member. He sees us as members of the body. Now, you need to discover your membership ministry. How many have some idea what member you might be? Well, huh? how many's had at least 10 prophecies? If you're around CI, you've had at least 100. If you've been over your five years, you've had 200. If you've been around long as I have, you have what I have, 2,500, 2,500 type written pages. Amen? And we come to know our calling. How, how do you discover no? How many know, remember how you figured out who you were and what you were called, and what gifts you had, what college you had. Now, let me explain. There's a difference between talents and Holy Spirit gifts. When you were born, you were born with certain talents. DNA automatic. You know, our little granddaughter, uh, Atreya, gets up here and sings sometime with the, what do y'all call, the worship leaders? What do y'all call yourself? Worship team? A team, worship team. I know they had a name for something. All right. <laughs> Worship team, you know. But she didn't get that from her grandpa, great-grandpa. Didn't get that from her grandma, Sherilyn, because neither one of us carried a tune and tin bucket. But she, had a, she was born with a dean, and she probably got it from her grandma because Mom Hammond used to get sing. In fact, we'd travel and preach, and I'd preach, and she'd sing. We'd go home, and she'd sing, and I'd preach. And she'd preach, and I'd sing, or something like that, anyhow. But, uh, but how many know... Uh, Dean and his family were all born with musical skill. If they hadn't become Christians, they could become another Elvis Presley, you know. <laughs> Dean old Elvis, <laughs> rock and roll. <laughs> but, but they dedicated to God. Now, those were natural talents you're born with, and they had to develop them. Amen. And you need to find out. Uh, I was reading a book on the purpose-driven life uh, here a while back. I was reading a chapter, and he talks in there about discovering your talent. What do you enjoy doing? What is your passion? If you, if you could do anything you wanted to and didn't have to have pay for it, what would you choose to do? It has to be more than going golfing or sitting around playing. I mean, if you, what would you really enjoy doing? And you can usually tell a lot by that. For instance, I'm going to talk about several ways that people discover their destiny and calling. Now, mine, as a prophet, you'd think I'd had out-of-body experience, a vision, dream, angel come to me, like so many have, but I didn't. I just had a divine desire to be a preacher. How many know God can lead you by desire? And there's just, I mean, if you've read my book on prophets and personal prophecy, you know, I give the prophecy that came over me when I was 
uh, 18 years old and 19 years old. And um, it, it stated a lot of things there, who I was, what God called me to be and do. But um, it didn't really tell me my fivefold ministry until, oh, 56, the prophets came through and prophesied I was called to be a prophet to the nation. But I had a desire, and that desire just wouldn't go away. And I remember I wrote in there one day, I was fasted, I fasted seven days, asking God to show me something. And I wrote at the end of the seven days, no vision, no dream, no out-of-body experience. I said, I feel I'm called to preach, but I don't know how to get in the ministry. I don't come from a ministerial family background. I don't have an even Christian background. And I've only been a Christian now for three years. I don't know, uh, two years at that, two and a half years at that time. I don't know how I'd ever get in the ministry. And maybe it's just my wishful thinking. I guess time will tell. That was February the 3rd, 1952, 53 was. A year later, I was ordained a pastor, ordained a minister. Uh, in the meantime, God worked out for me to go to a Bible college in Portland, Oregon. I drove my 48 Studebaker all the way out there. Young people don't know what a Studebaker is. But anyhow, <laughs> I drove it all the way out to, from uh, Amarillo, Texas to Portland, Oregon. And attended Bible college there, and then the Bible college split right down the middle uh, in, in January, and I ended up heading out in evangelistic work, ended up in Topness, Washington, preached seven-week revival, ended up pastoring there for six years, and fi finished my education with the School of Hard Knocks, pastoring, and, <laughs> and got married and three children, etc. But, uh, you know, you, you have that desire, and God will do it. How many has ever had a strong desire? How many desire to get married? A couple just woke up drunk, married. Okay. <laughs> but God can read by desire. You know, I was, all my life I've fussed at God to give me visions, dreams, revelations. I've had two or three, four visions, uh, dream now and then, every five or six years. And, uh, but lots of revelation. And I was fussing at God. You could believe it still yet. A little bit the other day, I said, Lord, you know, I just like to have things. How many like to have some, you know, really something sensational, outstanding, you know? And, um, and he, he said, why? I said, that's a dumb question. No, I didn't. I felt like it. <laughs> why? why this, this sounds and looks more spiritual and supernatural. You know, you hear these people having out-of-body experiences. They're floating around in space, and, and they project themselves into heaven, which I don't really think that's too good. But anyhow, what they're doing. But, you know, it sounds exciting. And, but I've, I've talked to people, it's, I remember this one man, Jane Hammond and I was out in California, preached for him, and he was telling us about his four hours out-of-body experience in heaven, and both uh, Apostle Jane and I didn't witness with his spirit, we said something's not right, you know, and, and we both felt what it was, and sure enough, two weeks after we left, it was exposed that he is a homosexual, you know, and um, it was really... Um, a situation. Yeah, but I've, I've watched people over 60 years that have out-of-body experiences, angelic visitation, I mean all kind of thing. It doesn't guarantee they're going to make it to the end. It doesn't guarantee they're going to stay in solidly with the Lord. Amen. In fact, I'm in my book right now on how it's false ministers and false doctrine. And I've been amazed at reading about the Mormons and Mohammedans. All, all these leaders had angelic visitation and had prophecy and so God told them to start their doctrine you know and, and I'm telling you most Pentecostal charismatics would swallow hook line and sinker somebody come along and had an out-of-body experience angel came to him listen there's only one thing we can stand on 100% as this is the word of God amen I like to have angelic visitation and all of that but I want to know the word of God and the Lord said I didn't call you to be Ezekiel to floating around half the time. <laughs> I mean, no, Ezekiel, one vision to another, carried here, done that. You know, Jeremiah went through persecution. Thank God he didn't call me to be Jeremiah. <laughs> but, but he said, I called you to be David. And that's what he told me when I was 20 years old. Your life's going to be like David. You know, and I, I looked up David, and I don't think, I can't find where David had any divine visitation. No, no angel no voice from heaven. He walked by faith. Had the prophet prophesied to him. But, you know, he walked with God. And yet he was the only one that said in the Bible he was a man after God's own heart. 
but he was a worshiper and a warrior. So we don't know much about worship until David comes along. And he was a worshiper and a warrior. And, and, and let me tell you, they that, the Bible says they that compare themselves with others is not very wise. You've got to find out how God talks to you. And I discovered, you know, I, I was waiting for God to speak from heaven in my early days. I was waiting until the angel come, and it just never did. And finally I realized God speaks to me by, by slight impressions. How many has learned how God talks to you? You've got to learn how to recognize the voice of God for yourself. You know, Moses, you know, let me just give you some of these, how they discovered their grave. Noah, Abraham, and Moses all heard an audible voice. God said, Noah, build a boat. I'm going to drown the whole human race, all 20 million, even the animals. Amen? Everything. I'm wiping it out. Build a boat. Transition from the old world to a new world and preserve the human race. Joseph had a dream. How many dreamers? Anybody have a dream? I I tried to get Apostle Jane lay hands on me and impart dreaming, but it doesn't work. (laughs) She just doesn't have the anointing fully yet. (laughs) Or I got a thick head. I don't know which. All right. Gideon had an angel come to him. Several had angel visitations. Mary had the archangel Gabriel. Man, she was blessed. Even angels normally won't give their name, but she did for Mary. David, prophet Samuel, and personal prophecy. You know, and, and you've heard me say when I've taught on the prophetic, I asked God way back in the 70s, Lord, why didn't you give me an out-of-body experience? Or why didn't I get to fast 40 days and 40 nights? Or why didn't uh, I pray 200 hours? Or why didn't uh, I have an angelic, oh, you know? And, the, and finally the Lord said to me, if, if I'd have brought this blessing to you and this ability in the prophetic, if I'd have had an angel come to you, how would you teach others how to get an angelic visitation? He said, if I'd have given you an out-of-body experience, take you to heaven, took you through heaven, explained everything to you, how would you ex- help people activate going into heaven? Or if you fasted 40 days and nights, you know, you've heard me say that when, when I was in Bible college, I started a 40-day fast every month because I just knew if I could fast 40 days and 40 nights, when I got through, because Roy Roberts just fasted 40 days and nights, T.L. Osborne had, and William Branham had. So if Bill Hammond could fast 40 days and nights, God would say, step over Branham, step over Roberts, behold, Hammond cometh. <laughs> but I never did make those 40 days. Every month I started another 40-day fast. Um, I think the longest ever made was 10 days. And I went from 155 pounds down to 135 pounds in 10 days. But uh, that was back when I had to push my stomach loose. There's no problem now. It's fully inflated. <laughs> All right. Now, but, but he just spoke to me through the prophets and prophecy. I'd say 95% of insight I've got of my calling and destiny and work I'm to do and things are going to happen came through personal prophecy from others. How many have got some insight of your call and destiny and what God wants you to do through personal prophecy? Yes. And so, and God said, and how are you going to tell people how to have out of body experience unless you shoot them and then raise them back up. You know. But he says, if I show you how to do it by faith in the word and obedience that and just stir it up and do it, then everybody can do that. How many discovered you can obey the word of God? You can activate your gifts. Amen. How many discovered that? Most of you have here. And, and 250,000 of others have discovered as we've taught them. So how many know God uses you based on his plan and purpose for you? You see, he's the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Now, when Apostle Tom and I worked to form, uh, put the plan this church, we planned it for television. We planned it for plenty of space. For we did a lot of skits in those days and dramas, and we did it for you know we planned it a long range. But we had to give a complete blueprint or archaeological design to the zoning commission before they would allow us to start. We, they had to see the finished product before we could lay the foundation. How many know when God, Jesus said, I will build my church, he had the finished product in mind. Come on. When God said, I called Dean Mitchum to be a do, he had the finished product. Amen. And he sent a wife along to help work on that product. <laughs> Amen. He gave me one too. <laughs> How many know God knows where he's going with you? Yes. 
I said, God knows where he's going with you. And all things do work together for your good. I could give you hours of explaining things we went through that seemed useless, worthless, horrible, terrible, but they all worked together to make the man for the ministry. Amen. And then Jehu, you know, he sent a, Elisha sent a young prophet to prophesy to Jehu and said, you're not a general, you're a king. Jump on your chariot and kill all of Ahab's descendants and take care of Jezebel. (laughs) Then Paul had a light come, a shine upon him. Jesus spoke to him, but Jesus didn't tell him his calling in ministry. How many know Jesus does not usually tell your calling in ministry personally? He sends a prophet. And he said, Paul, go to this house in Samaria, and I'm going I'm to have a young prophet, a man, a disciple of mine, come over, and he's going to prophesy to you and pray for you. And you've seen uh, Tanya dra- dramatize that uh, skit, you know. And he said, and I asked, go prophesy to Saul. I've called him. And, and he's going to be a prophet, apostle to the Gentiles, sent one to the Gentiles. And he's going to suffer for my name's sake. Tell him his two things he needs to know about his calling. He's going to be an apostle to the Gentiles, and he's going to suffer a lot. I mean, he's glad you didn't get Paul's prophecy. And Paul, you know, do you know Paul suffered more than Jesus? Jesus got 39 stripes once. Paul got them five times. His back must have been continual scars and welts, amen? He got beat with rods several times. I mean, he suffered a lot. But you know how he endured it? I used to wonder how, because that was his prophecy. How many know you wore a good warfare by the prophecies that are going over you? Amen. Now, I want, I want to talk just a moment. We've got to hurry because Jesus is coming soon. I know, I know you want to go to heaven for eternal vacation. So let me talk about nine ways to determine the personal will of God. How many remember studying that in the red book? Uh, okay. Let me just hit a few of them. Divinely directed desire, number one. Psalm 37, 4. Acknowledge him in all your ways, and he shall direct your power, your, your paths. Amen? First says, delight yourself in the Lord. Everybody say, delight yourself. Get your joy, your pleasure, your fulfillment in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. That works two ways. One, he'll put the right desire there, and second, he'll fulfill it. That, and when it says desire, it doesn't mean he's going to fulfill every carnal desire you have. He'll put the right desire, and he'll give you the right desire, then he'll help fulfill it. Amen? And, and these, you can read those in chapter 9 of my book on prophecy and personal prophecy. Then a rhema or, or scriptural illustration. You know where Jesus found his calling? In the scriptures. Isaiah 61. He's at, he's at church or at the synagogue. He opened a book and said, The Lord's anointed me to preach the gospel of good news. You know, heal the sick, heal the brokenhearted, on and on. And he said, this scripture is fulfilled today. This is me. I am. That's for me. How many have ever been reading your Bible and got an illuminated scripture just jump? How many has had a scripture jump out at you? And suddenly it's quickened to you. That's a rhema. That's the Holy That's a word from the word. That's a, an enlightened word, an applicable personal word. And then pers- pr- prophets and personal prophecy, pr- personal prophecy and prophets can be a blessing. Um, as I said, my, my main calling came through personal prophecy and prophets. Uh, how many have had personal prophecy about your calling? How many have some idea, if, if you was a five-fold minister, which one do you think you'd be? If you had gifts, which one do you think you have? See? And how many feel like you're using them fully? <laughs> no hands. Okay. We're all pressing in for more. Now, uh, there's so much teaching. I could spend an hour on each one of these, but let's move ahead. Gifts of the Holy Spirit. How many know gifts can give you revelation? Word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning the spirits, you know. God can, God can make it known. And then number five, fruit of the Holy Spirit. Don't, the, the fruit of the Spirit is of the same Spirit as the gifts. They didn't get that over here. Hang on. I said the fruit of the Spirit is the same Spirit as the gifts of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is as supernatural as the gifts. They didn't get that here now. I said the fruit of the Spirit is as supernatural as the gifts. Now, we've, we've, I've been asking the Lord, show us how to activate the fruit. We know how to activate the gifts. But you know, how many know part of the gift, fruit is the joy of the Lord? 
And ever, how many's ever been in a state of everything going wrong, nothing going, and you, you couldn't stir up joy? There is joy that you can activate that's a, his joy, the joy of the Lord. Then the fruit of peace. Wow. When you don't have anything to have peace, you can have peace. You know, long-suffering, patience. Come on. And faith. Faith is a fruit of the Spirit. So you, 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 that's the reason Isaiah 55, 12 said, you should go out with joy and be led forth with peace. How many has ever had to make a decision that could affect a lot of things? You know, you want God to speak from heaven. Oh, here I am, Lord, speak. You know, and you, but you know what I found to God? I have to look down and see if I got peace and joy about the matter. Come on. Said you'll be, go out with joy and you'll be led forth with peace. Colossians 3.15 says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Govern your heart. And then it says, the peace of God, which will surpass all your minds involved with, it'll surpass that and give you peace. And if you don't have peace and joy about a matter, you probably don't have the mind of Christ. Because Romans 8, 6 says, the carnal mind is death, but the spiritual mind is life and peace. So how many is trying to make us some decisions right now? Come on, got, you know, get, how many would, would want to make it in the mind of Christ? Then you've got to have, it's got to be life-giving, it's got to be peace. Now, it won't be peace in your brain. You can have peace in your spirit when your brain's going 90 miles an hour. Come on. How many, how many got married legally? <laughs> how many had peace about it, but your mind got to wondering? <laughs> uh, after, my, my, after I was already engaged to my wife-to-be and had given her the ring, I was still praying, Lord, your will be done. Because <laughs> all the preachers I'd met said, marriage will make you or break you. Your wife will make it heaven on earth or hell on earth, and she'll make you a success or a failure. And I thought, Lord, I've got to get the right one. Amen. I mean, that was serious to me. That was serious as salvations. And I'm telling you, I, I was just engaged to a preacher's daughter that was a, you know, was a mess, and I finally broke up with her and said, you know, Lord, if I'd have got her, I'd have been my first wife, but not my last one. You know, I'd married another, the devil's stepmother, and I wish I was single again, you know. And, and, and I, I just had a fear. And uh, then there's a young lady from Amarillo, Texas, who was writing me when I was single pastoring. And, and she had always said that God told her I was going to marry her. And she was short and all deep pitted skin. And, you know, I can't say too much about it, but she wasn't beautiful. And... <laughs> You know, and she said, God, somebody told me love was blind. And she kept saying, you're going to fall in love with me. And I, I had this fear that somehow I'd, I'd fall in love with her and go blind to what she was. And I'd be walking down the street with her on my arm, singing so proud. And everybody looks at, how did he get stuck with that? <laughs> it was a fear I had. I was, I, and because she was prophetically, and she followed me. And by letter all the way to Bible college, and even when I was pastoring, she was still writing me. And uh, I, I got a fear that I'd fall in love with somebody I didn't like. My wife couldn't understand that. So when I, before I asked her to marry me, I told her I liked her. Because <laughs> that meant more to me than tell her I loved her, because I got to love everybody to go to heaven. <laughs> but I don't like it. But in home. <laughs> How many of you ever met somebody you just didn't like? They just didn't when you were kind. <laughs> But you got to love them. <laughs> Amen. And so you, you, you learn that God is going to work it all out anyhow. Amen. And I, I remember before we went, we went to um, uh, Crescent Beach Bible Conference in, in uh, Vancouver, B.C., Canada. And they had prophetic prosperity. And was, I wrote a letter. That was in July. And I already given her a ring. And I wrote a letter and I said, God... Here's what I want you to say. This is the woman I've chosen for you. Ta, 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 ta. And I told him. And they didn't even look my way. They prophesied over a lot of people. They didn't give me a prophecy. Lord wouldn't give me any confirmation. I had to take it by faith. Amen. And all my life has been by faith and grace and gifting. And the prophetic, apostolic, movement of the gifts. Even had one of my board of governors um, call me one day way back in the 
late, early 80s. And uh, he said, the bishop, I moved into this house. I've been here a year. And the lady said she would lease it to me for another year. Uh, but now she's changed her mind and says, I got to be out in a week with my wife and five children. What am I going to do? Can you pray and see if you get a word? So I went, you know, prayed a little bit. And I said, well, I don't know where this is really a word from the Lord, but I got a slight impression. I think you should drive about 20 miles east from San Clemente, and you'll come to a sign saying something about horses or, uh, uh, and there's a winding road going up. We turn that and go up the road, and you'll see some horses there and some fields, and you're going up top of the hill, and there's a man putting a sign down saying for rent, and if, you, if that works out, rent that house. He went out there, found the road, drove up the, uh, that winding road, came to this aquarium, uh, what do you call it, where they train horses? You don't know, I'm going to call it anything. <laughs> it's a question, yeah, something I knew, something like that. And uh, there was horses there, and he drove up the top of the hill, and a man was putting a sign down for rent, and he rented that house. Now, to me, that was a slight impression. But he said, I'd rather have bishops slight impression some people's major prophecy. But um, you've got to learn how God talks to you. How many has ever felt you've heard the voice of God? Now, how many has always tried to get God to talk a little different? Be honest. I'd like it this way, that way, or that way. Amen. Come on. But you've got to be, you, you got to be content the way God wants it. Now, let me close with saying this. There's a process in fulfilling your calling. In my book, Apostle Proverbs, Coming Moves of God, I have a chapter on calling to commissioning. Now, you can get called, but it may be a long time before you get commissioned. Let me just go through it real quickly. Joseph was 13, I mean, uh, Joseph, uh, this is, uh, Joseph was 17 years old when he had his dreams. And um, he, had, he told it to his half-brothers. You know, you ever tell your half-brother or something, you got the same daddy but don't have the same mama? People got the same heavenly father but they're not filled with the spirit like you are. Uh, and, and they despised him and ended up throwing, selling him to the, into Egypt. And it got worse for it got better. How many, ever, how many remember the first time you got a prophecy about some great things you're going to be and do? I remember how many did it happen the next day? Next week? Next year? No. And it took, it took 13 years before Joseph saw any fulfillment of that at all. And one day it went from prisoner to prime minister. And then eight years later, about a year after the seven-year famine, uh, the brothers came down and the second part of his dream was fulfilled. Then David, 13 years old when God had... Samuel lay hands on him, prophesied over him, but 17 years later, before he ends up, uh, you know, king over Hebron, another seven years before he comes to full fulfillment. Joshua, 40 years as, you know, kind of mentored by, Joshua, by Moses and working with Moses, and then he, became a, he was to be a five-star general, army of the Lord, but it wasn't until 40 years later after the children of Israel refused to go in. Then Elisha had 12 years apprenticeship to get the double portion. How many want the double portion? But you wanted it yesterday. Okay. Now Jesus had 30 years, 18 years after he knew he was called to be with his, doing the Father's business of heaven. And then he came to be Savior, prophesied Messiah, birth, and build the church. You know, and I, I just deal with my personal experience. I, in 1956, how many were alive and active in 56? That was the year Tim was born. He'll be 102 next year. <laughs> but 1956, there's a couple who came through, and I went up to their meeting, and they called me out and prophesied to me and said, I've called you to be a prophet to the nations. That was 1956, 24 years later before I ever went out of, flew out, out of the country. Amen. How many know it's not going to happen overnight always? And but now I've gone to 75 nations around the world and still get prophecies. And then, of course, I was called to be a re revelation restoration movements. That was our main anointing for revelation for restoration movements. We brought the revelation of the prophetic movement and then have pioneer it, apostolic, 
coming saints movement, then the third and final church reformation, and we're still pressing on. I said we're still pressing on. How many know God, the church is not a pond or a bio, come on, or a swamp. The church is a river. I think Greg prophesied about the river this morning. How many's ever been down to a river? How many have watched the river flow? Every second, brand new water. You realize that? Every second, new water, new water, new water flowing. And it flows. Jesus said, we're having a 1 to 2 o'clock prayer time still yet over north side, over at the um, conference room in the north side over there. And I, I tell the people, if you're praying in tongues, Jesus said, out of your innermost being, everybody say innermost being, would flow rivers of living waters. And some, when they first started coming, they'd had a, they just had a trickle. You know, I said, let's pray. All oh, go pray and done. And they're going, ta 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 Jesus said, they didn't say, behold, I give you a squirt gun and squirt a little bit. I give you a creek and drizzle a little bit. And I told him, if you're praying an hour in tongues and your stomach muscles are not hurting at the end, you're not praying out of your innermost being. I know you're all excited about that. But we pray. I love to have a uh, Heather... And I saw her. She, she's here. I saw her. I saw her. Yeah. But Heather's, the other day, was on this side of me, and Susan uh, Sutcher was on this side, and we were praying, and Patricia was over here. We're four that really pray. I don't know how the rest of them hear themselves, but we, we started, we go for an hour like that. And some of them over are going, tut, 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 <laughs> Hit on one cylinder. You got to hit on all eight. <laughs> Amen. Out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. You can yell at your husband louder than you pray in tongues. Yell at the kids louder than you pray in tongues. Don't tell me I am. Well, anyhow, that's my pet peeve. All right. Now, let me tell you, you are saved for a purpose. You're called for a purpose. And you're a member of the body of Christ. And you have a purpose to fulfill. Every member in my body and your body, when you were born, how many were born? Just a couple of hats on a stump, but I know buzzard. But when you were born, or when you were first conceived, your system started working and cells started forming into heart, lungs, come on, nerves, blood vessels, legs, toes, nose mouth, backbone. How they know to do that? They, based on their DNA and destiny, all they had to do is have the blood flow come through. They just had to have the life nourishment and they automatically formed into a baby. Amen? When you were born of God, it's just like that baby who was conceived of God and born of Him, God knew what member you would be and the blood of Jesus and the Spirit of God flowing into you will automatically make you become who God called you to be if you do four things. Eat, drink, exercise, and rest. Eat the Word, drink the Spirit, rest in confidence and faith in God, and exercise, do everything you can do for God. Amen? You, You don't have to worry or fret about it. Pray fast 40 days and 40 nights. If you're faithful to stay in the Word, live in the Spirit, and flow in the anointing of God and do all that your hands find to do. Amen? And God prophesied to me way back in 52. The Lord thy God is preparing you for that work that he has called you to do to fulfill his own purpose and pleasure in you. Then October of 53, how many were not moving in the ministry in 53? How many weren't on planet earth in 1953? Uh, 52, I was 18 years old. Is any 18 year olds here? Juby, are you 18? Is that the only 18-year-old we got here? Amen. The only one here. Okay. Well, bless you, Juby. Amen. Then he said in 53, when I was 19 years old, For thus saith the Lord, I have kept you under my own purpose. I have chosen you and appointed you for my special purpose and work. Now, some of you, I was in preparation for who I am today. Some of you sitting out there today are in preparation for a destiny and a purpose of God. I said, you're in, you're in destiny. You're not just called to do the same old thing in the same old way forever. 
But you can't get discontent with where you are. You got to be faithful and do what God gives you to do. Fulfill what God gives you to fulfill until. Everybody say until. And on my last paragraph here. I want to fulfill everything God's called me to be and do. How about you? And if you can believe you're called for a purpose. And I read that in my prophecy in 1953. I received it. I probably read that prophecy a thousand times. But I didn't understand what God was saying until 1983. 53 to 83. Is that 30 years, Greg? <laughs> 33, 30 years later. And I asked God about the 82 or 83 when I got there. He said, I said, God, you didn't let me become popular and a leader in the Pentecost I was in, nor the latter rain movement when it came into that, nor the charismatic when it came along, nor the faith movement when it came along. How come? And he told me, he said, I kept you. He showed me this, this, this prophecy. I kept you under my own purpose. All your years, 30 years, was preparation for the assignment and the purpose I created you for and brought you into my kingdom for was to birth the prophetic, pioneer the prophetic, and raise up a company of prophets. Amen? And bring revelation of moves of God. And that's the reason he gave us a church that's a womb in the body of Christ. We conceive and birth what God's doing. And I believe this next weekend we'll be birthing some things. Amen? Hallelujah. I, I wish I could be here. Now, well done, good and faithful servant. Only two things we're going to be judged or rewarded by. Good, Christ-like. Second, faithful. Only two things we're going to be judged by. One, being conformed to the image of Christ. Remember the number one calling. We're talking about calling and fulfilling it. The number one calling in the universe, in heaven and earth, in the human race, in the church. The number one calling is not the greatest apostle, the greatest evangelist winning millions, not the greatest apostle working signs, wonders, and miracles. The greatest calling and the one apostle Paul rejoiced in the most and bragged about the most was being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Now, let me, let me tell you youngins under 70. <laughs> if you get any other goal or objective as your number one priority, you're going to get very discouraged. You're going to hit the bottom a few times because let's make this your physical man, your social man, financial man, and all the rest. God will, and this is your spiritual inner man. God will let any one of these four, or sometimes all four at the same time, go through living, horrible, terrible, catastrophic, hellish things to perfect this one. Amen? And if this is your goal, that's the reason Paul said in 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians 12, 10, I take pleasure. How many ever take pleasure in anything? You know what he said he took pleasure in? He, he, Paul either needed the psychiatrist or he had a revelation. Paul said, I take pleasure in infirmities, weaknesses, incapabilities, distresses, persecutions. I mean, he took pleasure in that. Why? Because he knew it was killing the self and bringing forth the Christ. He knew it was transforming him from glory to glory. That's the reason he said in 2 Corinthians 3, 18, as we behold in the mirror the glory of the Lord, we're changed into the same image from, come on, glory to glory. Now, that's the last verse in chapter 3, but originally there weren't chapters. So if, sometimes you miss a vital truth when you stop at the end of the chapter. Chapter 4, verse 1 starts out, therefore. Now, when you see the word therefore, go back and see what it's there for. It says, therefore, seeing we have this ministry, we faint not. What ministry is he talking about? Being conformed to the image of Christ. From his glory means likeness and image of Christ. From Christ's likeness image to Christ's likeness image until we're just like him. Amen? 
And he said, I die daily to the old self that the new self may come forth. And when that, that's the number one. So, well done, good, Christ-like, faithfully. How many think you've got a few places to go yet? I had my partner that started CI originally told me one day, he said, if I can just get healing over my diabetic, I've got it 98%, I just need that 2%. I thought to myself, brother, you got it reversed. <laughs> How many think there's a few more things that you have that's not completely Christ-like? I'll be 80 this month. Sister Annie was 106, was she, last, just a few days ago. But you know, regardless how old you are, God never stops perfecting us. Come on. We, we, we have to continue. I've come a long ways, got a little ways to go. Amen. And I want you to know how many want to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. Remember the original purpose, original commission for man was fill the earth with a race in your image and likeness, which is my image and likeness. And Adam fell, but the second Adam, Jesus, came and restarted the human race and made a new creation of mankind. How many is a new creation? Come on. We're a new creation in Christ. Old things passed away, all things become new. Come on. He made one new man. He made a new man. He made a new creation. The church, the body of Christ. And you are the body of Christ, and members in particular, and we have the privilege of being that special human race, that special called-out race called the church, the body of Christ, and we are members of his body, just as Jesus was the body of God, now we're the body of Christ. And members of that one body, and we're all members of one another. That's the reason I tell people, you know, if you're a member of the body of Christ, I'm a member of the body of Christ, you're stuck with me forever. Come on, I tell you, you know, people used to draw a circle and exclude me. I draw a bigger circle and include them. I believe in that scripture. Love your enemies. Drive them berserk. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Now, we are in a transition. You can tell it in the building. And I like that statement I used to see, you know, don't judge me yet. God's not finished with me. How many know by September probably this will all be finished, Right? Greg, promise us, come on, come on, give us encouragement. And we, we won't remember that we have cement floors. I notice most of you started sitting down about 45 minutes. It's harder to stand on cement than carpet, <laughs> especially old folks, you know. We're young and stood up long now. <laughs> but see, how many ladies have given birth? How many about the eighth and a half month, ninth month, you weren't for sure you should have done that? <laughs> you weren't for sure you're going to make it through but when that beautiful baby boy or girl comes no time you forgot all the pain all the misery for the joy of the new and born that's what the Bible says amen and we won't remember this mess amen I know Greg will be a little grayer and a little bolder time to get through here but <laughs> Sandy will still love him amen still by faith tell him how wonderful he is <laughs> no but we're going to make it. How many want to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ? Stand up. God, put us in your computer quick before we change our mind. Now, people have asked Mom Hammond and I, how have you made it these 60 years? Pioneering, going through all that you went through. And I said, Romans 8, 28, 29. For from the very beginning, God gave me the revelation that all things work together for my good if I love God, I'm called according to his purpose. That's what it says in verse 28. And then verse 29 says, this is the purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. Amen. Before we go, I got to give the couple back there in the matching uh, shirts. Uh, Mike's folding away on me. Uh, I had a word for you and I was sitting over there. The Lord says, give me six more months and I'll have this all figured out. I'll have it all worked out for you. Just be patient and press on. Don't try to make it happen. Just let me work on it, and I'm going to bring it all together. And in six months, you won't have a problem in this area. You'll have the answer. It'll be solved, and it'll be worked out. He says, just hang on. I'm working on your behalf. Amen. Praise God. How many glad God working on your behalf? Amen. Now, one more time. How many really want to be like Jesus? How many know it's going to cost you everything? 
and lay down our life for his sake. Be an overcomer. All saints, all Christians are not going to rule and reign. Only the overcomers. The promise is only in revelation to the overcomers. And you have to overcome the world, self, and the devil. Amen? And most Christians get victory over the world, but they have a problem with self. But then you've got to get victory over the world and self before you deal too much battle with the devil. And then fulfill your membership ministry. This church is dedicated to helping you discover your ministry, help you fulfill your ministry, train, activate, and equip so that you'll fulfill it. When you stand before that day, you're here. Well done. Good and faithful servant. Amen. And remember, God has you exactly where he wants you to work the fastest work through you. The job you're on, the position you're in, the social relationship you're in right now, that's, that's, that's not immoral. You know, good. God plans the season and the place and the process to perfect you. Amen? And nothing's going to be any more important than when you get there, all self is gone and you are living the life of Christ. Amen? Raise your hands. I want to pray for you. Father God, I want everyone here, Lord, to be there. God, just as you had me in preparation years ago, all these young ones here are in preparation for ministry of these last days. And God, there's some here this morning that'll be apostles and prophets, great, great business people. There'll be great this and that that will contribute to the kingdom, demonstrate the kingdom, and fulfill the kingdom until your kingdom comes and your will is done on earth as ever. Right now, I release that anointing. God, that grace you've given me, that persistence to press on regardless, to stand up and keep fighting when there's no hope. Like Abraham hoped against hope. Lord, I've been there several times, and I just impart that to each one. They won't give up. They won't get confused. They won't stop because of the confusion and the pressure and the problem. They know it's all things working together for their good because they love God. Call according to His purpose, and your purpose is to make us like Jesus. Amen. Father, I release that grace and that anointing, and I rebuke every lie of hell, every self-condemnation, everything, God. We're not imperfect or backsliding. We're just going through the process. Going through the process, and we're going to come forth just like this building is going through a process. It's not a bad building. It's not a false building. It's just being transformed. Being transformed. We're going to be a better building, more beautiful building, a more usable building. And God, you're working on each one here. And when this building's finished, we're going to be in a new level. We're going to be in a new realm. We're going to be moving in a new anointing. And it's going to be a new day and a new hour. And we rejoice. Give the Lord a shout if you believe in it. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory.